Central, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Ben Ennis alongside Shai Davidi. And oh, what a two-game series in Washington, D.C. for the Toronto Blue Jays. Boy, there's some regrettable tweets that I have. The one where I talked about going 12-0 and against the Nationals and Orioles in the 12 remaining games, which are now just 10, against the Orioles, who refused to win. It doesn't look so good because, uh, you know what? Any given day, anybody can win a Major League Baseball game. You know, it's funny. It's that, that you don't even have to wait for that to get on old takes exposed. No, no I mean, that's like that's recent, very recent takes exposed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here are the, the gory details for this Blue Jays bullpen. Uh, 12 losses after leading after six innings. Since June 1st, relievers have nine losses on this Blue Jays team. ERA, four, five, seven. Only the Diamondbacks and Cubs have a lower fan graphs war than the Blue Jays minus 0.4 out of the bullpen. We knew it was an issue before the Blue Jays jumped the, the deadline market for relievers and acquired Adam Simber and Trevor Richards. It hasn't gotten markedly better since then, Shy. No, it, it hasn't. And look, I don't think we need to go over the gory details, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's got their battle scars from this. We know what it is. And I think the question right now, if you're the Toronto Blue Jays, how do you dig yourself out? How do you find some stability? What do you do? How can you attack this in a way that will prevent you from continuing to incinerate games that are in your in your hands? And that's really that, you know, there, there are no quick fixes to this. Mm-hmm. You know, there you can't really do much externally. And, you know, you, you can't put it all on Nate Pearson and Thomas Hatch to be your saviors, right? Like you can't just say, Hey guys, all right, you guys, here's all the leverage. Yeah. You know, do it. So, you know, this is, uh, you know, I think it's gotta be, a is going to be an organization wide effort. You know, you've got to get your, you know, your analytics department to come up with some ideas. Your coaching staff's <laughs> going to be coming up with some ideas and I'm just talking about, you know, maybe it's, you know, different usage for guys. Or can you get grip, try, try different grips? Can Is there some sort of adjustment that you can make at this point? And you've got to, you really don't really have much of an alternative because, you know, unless you're going to let your starting pitchers throw until their arm's ready to fall off, you know, the, the, the there's there's no other choice. So let's take it maybe one at a time. The only guy that you have a pretty good level of confidence in right now is Jordan Romano. Right. And Tim Mesa. Tim Mesa, you gotta manage his health a little bit, right? He's yep. already had elbow inflammation yep. and he's logged a lot of innings and so he's Sado up too. You know, Sosedo, barring that one outing when he was down and then back up, he's been pretty reliable. Well, I mean he had the, the hiccup in, in Washington too there in the, the game before. The yeah, but he but he wasn't on the mound for it all to come unglued. No, no I mean he you know, he uh he he put the match in place, and then Dolise came in, and you <laughs> yes. know, like I'm gonna oh, let's light this, buddy. Let's let this let, let's light this one up. All right, so we can't go. We're five minutes into the show. We have to talk about Brad Hand, though, because, like I said, everybody struggled. Even your Adam Simbers, even your Trevor Richards, like everybody's had their moment. Where seemingly on this road trip through nine games, everybody's had their moment where they've been responsible, or at least partly responsible, mm-hmm. for a loss. Brad Hand has been in the center of a lot of it. Has the four-pitch walk 
walk-off walk, bases loaded in Seattle. He... Then he bounced back. He had a nice. Uh, he had a nice inning on the in the Sunday game. A very efficient inning, although the game was out of hand at that point. No doubt. I think at this point, you're Rafael Dolising him, not DFAing. I mean, I mean, he's being removed entirely from leverage at this moment until he can prove that he's somewhere close to the guy he was. What was it before June? He was having a, a decent season in Washington. Before he arrived, he had really struggled. I think blown three of the four save opportunities before yep. the Blue Jays acquired him. Uh, it doesn't help that the man that they sent the other way, just he's hitting, I think, over 700 against the Blue Jays and under 200 against everybody else. But, yes. yeah, Brad Hand, that, that, for, for a, the time being, has to be removed. A great revenge series oh. for Riley Adams. A very, very good one for him. Good Was for him, it ever. But, yeah, so what do you do with Hand at the moment? You just He's he's your, like, five-run game either way. He's the guy that tries to put himself back in your good graces. Probably, but, look... You know, p- part of the reason that, you know the Blue Jays were set up the way they did is is there's some you know necessity there too, right? Like you know, Tim Meza, you've got to watch him at this point. And you know, I th- my guess is that the Blue Jays wanted to give him you know a soft landing or a soft reentry point yesterday, and you know putting him putting him in in the sixth as opposed to the eighth. And you've got to be careful with Tim Meza. But what happens if you need a lefty and you know Tim Meza's down and Sacedo's pitched or whatever? You know you. Are you gonna are you gonna trust him at that point? You know, circumstances may dictate that. But my guess is that the Blue Jays will look to get him a few outings where he can reset himself and then build up some confidence that he can take into another leverage spot. But you know, some of what's happened for this bullpen at times has been circumstantial, right? Where you know need has forced guys that you might not want to use in certain situations to end up getting the ball in that spot, and you know. If the 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 best thing the Blue Jays can do is hit their way out, of, you know, out of leverage spots, no doubt, that's not going to happen all the time. No. They're, they're, the bullpen's going to have to step up and do it at a certain point in time. And you know, I, I think that you, you, you're just at a point in time where you know this is the group that you have. You know, the the best relievers are here. Like you know, except, outside of Hatch and Pearson. You know, there, I think Soria no and and Soria coming off the IL. Soria, Soria, I feel like is man. It, losing him after one outing was really hurtful. And this is not, you know, prime Joaquin Soria by any stretch of the imagination. But the velocity was seemingly still there. His ability to get outs was still there. He had still shown the ability to get outs and leverage this season. Hey, man, it's just another bullet in the chamber. You would figure not everybody would just be totally useless for you. The idea of him being just another guy that you could trot out there with an ability to get both righties and lefties out. Like, I, I really feel like they missed him over these nine games. Yeah, I mean, let's, you know, let's pump the brakes a little bit. You know, people shouldn't be thinking that, you know, Josh Hader is going to be coming out of coming back here. No, but, right? the, but, but, like, but that's not what this team has needed, though, Shy. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, they've sort of needed somebody like that. But wouldn't but, it hurt. But it's they just need to not be the worst. Right. And and Soria gives you another legit option, like you were saying. And he's not going to beat himself. He's not going to fall apart in that situation. If batter beats him, batter beats him. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to he's not going to defeat himself, which has happened quite a number of times with this bullpen. Yeah. You know, with different guys. So what do you do? You you said it. What do you do? You don't want to do anything detrimental to the long-term future of this franchise, obviously. That goes without saying. But how desperate do you act? Because I, I get what you're saying. 
with the Tim Mesa stuff. You want to make sure you ease him back in. And this is a guy who's really turned into what he's become, which is a higher leverage reliever for the first time this season, save for that one month where it was it went poorly for him. He's been been really, really good for the majority of this season. And he's coming off TJ. That you know, let's yeah. remember that. You know, you don't wanna you don't wanna rush him into a second TJ. Hundred percent. Nate Pearson has made one rehab appearance in Buffalo for the Bisons. Thomas Hatch is stretched out as a starter. He's your sixth starter right now with Ross Stripling and, not available. And maybe that's as much as it's making makes makes you nervous a little bit in terms of what do you do if you need a starter? You know, at this point, you know, again, and he's not going to come in and be an all-star caliber reliever, but he's more reliable outs. He'll throw strikes by and large, right? Not, not in that start he didn't. But yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. But, you, you know, you those are the things that he he showed he can do last year. And is he better than some of your options right now? Like, yeah, I think you can make that case, or you'd at least give him give him a bit of run. But yeah, you know, I think that you know, I understand. I completely understand the thought process of like we want him to be a starter long term. We also want to make sure we're protected in case one of another one of our stars go down. But assuming that the other five guys in the rotation right now are stable and not they're not battling anything that you know is going to sneak up and 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 take them out of the circulation. Uh, in the next, you know, couple of uh, couple of weeks, and you know, this is something that the Blue Jays, you know, w- w- might you know know about, or that you know, understanding that may be a factor in their thought process. But you know, all things being equal, you know, maybe maybe this is a chance you take. Maybe this is the risk, and you say at this point, okay, where we got six weeks left, you know, we're we're quickly running out of runway here. Let's let's shorten him up and see see if he can be a dude for us. This is not an all-in season by any stretch of the imagination for the Toronto Blue Jays, despite the Jose Barrios trade. It's not it's a guy that's still under team control uh, for next season. I understand that. But every opportunity, or not every, there's been a number of opportunities this season where maybe I would have thought that this front office would have been more cautious called up Alec Manoa around the time that I would have called up Alec Manoa. And I was pretty aggressive in my liking Alec Manoa. They've been aggressive in that regards. They were aggressive before the trade deadline in acquiring relievers. Now there were guys that they didn't think were going to come back to haunt them. Uh, Haven't checked on Rowdy Telez recently. He was (laughs) off to a tremendous start with the Milwaukee Brewers. And of course, Riley Adams, Uh, Blue Jays fans are going to wake up in cold sweat for the next multiple weeks thinking about him. But they they did things that, well, one, I didn't think were necessarily possible unless you're the Tampa Bay Rays to go out and jump the market on guys like that. And then, two, just something counter to what I thought this front office thought about. So the idea of of doing something that isn't necessarily obvious with Thomas Hatch, I, I think they might be... I think they might be up for it, and I'm certainly up for it. I think the Pearson thing is a little too early. Ben uh, Ben Wagner was on with us yesterday. He said something like ten appearances for the Bisons before you call. Like I think that's way too cautious. Like if he's if he's shown you the ability to get out in Buffalo for you know next couple of weeks goes a week, and then he shows the ability to do it on back to backs. Maybe at that point, Thomas Hatch is. Not a known commodity, but we saw it for a prolonged period of time last year. And multiple innings, too. That's the thing. It doesn't have to be, hey. In some some, uh, tough spots when there was a lot at stake. He he was their best reliever at times last year. Right. So, like, maybe 
that's a massive, massive help to you if you can go sixth, seventh inning, 30-some-odd pitches with Thomas Hatch. The, the idea has to be on the table right now. Yeah, and at this point, you know, Thomas Hatch has gotten a good stretch of starts in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, it's been 11, 11 starts at Buffalo, sorry, 10 starts at Buffalo. Uh, it's a third of a season. You probably, in under ideal circumstances, you're getting him to 15 or maybe a little bit beyond that. But, you know, these aren't ideal circumstances. And, you know, these types of opportunities to win and get to the playoffs, you can't take those for granted, no. right? You know, as much as... And we, it still exists. Like, despite the fact oh, that for sure. you, you've stubbed your toe on this thing, you're still only four back of the Boston Red Sox. And, and they, still, they still have games in hand. Everyone needs to remember that, too. They have a series against Oakland coming and multiple series against the Yankees. Two against the Yankees, two against Tampa Bay. You know, that... That, you know, the, that uh, might have sailed. It's right, ten, but, dang, ten games uh, but, to But again, the they're, playing the, they're playing the teams in front of them and they've got games in hand. And you've got a heavy portion of the of your schedule at home and you've got nine games with the baltimore orioles that was 10 yeah nine or 10 yeah so you know you've got a good chunk of uh, of runway to work with but you know your margin for error continues to shrink and so you know at this point do you look at it and say you know we can't we can't count on the fact that even though we're at the beginning of this competitive window you know we can't guarantee the fact that you know, Bichette and Guerrero are going to be healthy again next year or that you're going to be able to, if you don't sign him, replace Marcus Simeon's production and that Teoscar Hernandez is going to go wire to wire without without missing any time. You know, you've had a lot of things go right this year and it doesn't, that's not always the case. As As much as it's gone wrong, lots has gone right for this team. Yep. And so, you know, this is an opportunity right now and maybe you have to say, you know what? We're going to we're going to we're going to stomach the risk of you know stunting some of Thomas Satch's growth, and say all right you know here we go we need you in the bullpen give it to us right now and and let's go. Uh, that's what I'd be doing. Uh, it's Baseball Central Ben and a Shy Davidi. You mentioned Te Oscar Hernandez, who is now riding a ten game hit streak where he has twenty one hits and five homers and the five homers in consecutive games as well. Yeah, and the five homers in consecutive games. It's pretty good. He's. Only got one walk, but that's this is what you get with Teoscar Hernandez. It's fine if you hit over 300, which he's done all season long. He's not a high-walk guy. He's not a perfect player, but for Francisco Liriano, I think you'll take it. Like, is it, <laughs> I, I think the idea of, of him needing to prove what he is as an offensive player is now we've seen enough of a sample to reliably think about him as a run producer in the middle of this lineup. Yes, yes. Uh, fully agree with everything you just said. Yeah. And like, you know, what you tend to do over 162 games is you tend to pick at flaws. Yeah. Right? Because baseball by its nature shows you a player's flaws more than it shows you his skills. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much to appreciate about Teoscar Hernandez and what he's done and the ability and he, you know, He's gotten better at his discipline. He's gotten better at, you know, not chasing that slider in the, you know, opposite batter's box with two strikes and and things like that. And he keeps himself in at-bats and he battles, right? And, you know, that power is totally legitimate. And, you know, he has been, uh, especially of late, but throughout the season, really uh, this glue type of player that has, you know, kept the, really kept it together and 
been the installation that's sort of allowed that all-star top three to be what it is because, you know, if, if the if you could sort of get through those three guys and there wasn't a Teoscar Hernandez waiting for you in the fourth spot, mm-hmm. you know, then all of a sudden, you know, those guys are getting pitched differently. And mm. it's a lot, the, the burden isn't as tough on the opposing pitchers. So he's really been a critical player uh, for a number of reasons. And, you know, and he hasn't had the benefit of having, you know, a big time hitter behind him for, for much of the time. You know, there's been Gritchuk at points. There's been Dickerson at points, Guriella points. No one's been especially consistent. Kirk at times. Kirk at times. And, you know, for him to do all that without, you know, the benefit of having, you know, uh, you know, someone, some protection behind him, you know, it's a full credit to him. Yeah. Oh, he's been outstanding. And again, he's not a perfect player. Is he a great defender? No. Is he adequate in a corner spot? For sure. He's fine. Yeah. He's more than fine. Uh, But yeah, he's (laughs) for the price you paid, especially, uh, no doubt. The Astros have been fine since they, they got rid of him, but uh, somebody that they would have liked to have found a way to keep knowing what they know now. Uh, so Kevin Smith makes his debut yesterday, too. Same way Otto Lopez did, is a, in a pinch-hitting role, which is, I guess, good in a way that you can just go back and sit down. Stinks, both of them struck out in their pinch-hitting appearances. What do you see their roles going forward here? So it's really interesting. The, like, the Blue Jays are making a call, right, once Alec Manoa is back from bereavement. So, you know, I'm not sure if he's back tomorrow or the day after that, but, you, you know, this is... They're both not on the roster for for long, right? So which one of them is staying? Mm-hmm. And you know, I think it's you know the fact that Lopez was called up first. You know, does that is that maybe an indication that you know the Blue Jays? You know, he was the he was well. the preferred choice. You know, and if he's coming off the bench, you know, he can because he's a good runner. You know, he he can give you some speed off the bench. Uh, he's got more experience in the outfield. So I wonder if he's um, if he's the one that stays, but but somebody's going, and I think the the other question too is you know how much runway does that person have, and how does Kevin Biggio fit into that? Right, because you know as much as you know the Blue Jays and he is uh, technically on a rehab assignment right now. I mean he's really on option, yeah, because he has to play his way back up at this point. Mm-hmm. So you know what is you know the, does. How does Kevin Biggio's pathway back to the roster impact whoever it is that stays? And again, and and you know how much more, you know, you know how much more opportunity you're giving to Bravik Valera before you're saying we, you know, it's time to really see what one of these kids can do. I wonder how the Springer injury impacts this, and by which I mean the Randall Grichuk playing every day thing. And Lopez has played across all three outfield positions. I don't pretend to have an idea of what kind of a defender he would be in center field. And Randall Grichuk is more than adequate it's a good center fielder but he's going to need a day off on occasion like he can't go you know play every one of the last 43 games in center teoscar hernandez has some experience and teoscar hernandez right now the would be the second choice right do you want to be in a position i know this is the team that leads major league baseball in ops i get that offense looks quite a bit different right now well one without george springer obviously but two the power that does exist and has existed in the bats of Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is currently on hiatus. And, and Vlad only has three extra base hits since the calendar flipped to August. Bo Bichette has similarly had trouble with the offense. I wonder if you think about giving up some defense for offense. If, I mean, this is, we haven't even seen Otto Lopez play. But, like, in theory, in a theoretical world, would you give up some defense for some offense right now the way the bats are, are playing? 
I don't think that you can. I mean, we, we just we opened the show talking about you know pitching and the issues with the bullpen, and you're going to take away some defense and make it harder for your pitchers to get outs when already that's not happening at a like I, I just don't I don't see that happening. I, I don't even know where you're making that trade off that yeah. you know that you're going to get enough of that. I'm imagining Otto Lopez with his 900 OPS, right? And I, I think that you're. <laughs> delving into fantasy land a yeah. little bit, right? Uh, uh, look, I, I think w- t- to me where what's really interesting and, and you know, if this happens, it's it's a really going to churn the Blue Jays' fortune. But, you know, if Corey Dickerson's ready to get there you go. warmed up a little bit and, you know, he's got a couple homers now in the past three games and, you know, obviously a big swing yesterday that, you know, nearly turned uh, the club's fortune. No, it did for the brief period of time. 50-something seconds or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know the, you know it, Dickerson may be you know part of your answer there. Yep, and he has a little bit of experience in center field as well, although it, uh, very limited. I, I I don't foresee them doing that unless it was you know maybe for a couple innings in an emergency yeah. situation. I, you know, I think they want him want him to get comfortable. Remember, he's coming off a foot injury and it's something that's he's had at other points in his career. Right. And you're going to be playing a lot of games on turf. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to take him out of his comfort zone and, and try to beat him up physically a little bit more. All right, before we take the break and talk to John Gibbons, I do. I haven't spoken to you since uh, the news came down of George Springer's injury and how severe or not severe. It's a grade one knee sprain, which looked like an ankle uh, when he suffered the injury in Seattle, and it ends up being a knee. Apparently not as severe as the one Bobichette suffered a, a year ago, which caused him to miss uh, a month. It's a different injury than the quad one that kept him out for multiple months to start the season when he's been healthy damn he's been good obviously and you do the the signing a hundred times out of a hundred again but i wonder how it it impacts your thinking going forward with him whether that's deployment or the investment in the player i i think it has zero impact personally like mm-hmm. you know unless for the rest of the season it's like if he's coming back and you just need to guard for health reasons but longer term I mean, he's still the player. I mean, like, he hurt himself trying to make a, a crazy catch. And, like, that's the way George Springer plays. I think you want him playing. that. That's when he's at his best. So, you know, for me, I, I don't think that it should impact your thinking at all. You know, all you have to do is make sure are you giving him the best chance to compete every night. And, you know, as long as you're doing that, I want George Springer to be George Springer, and I'm not trying to change anything about him. Uh, yeah, I need some uh, stem cells or something. <laughs> Got to get back real soon. Uh, the Blue Jays need them. All right, let's take a break. Let's come back and uh, talk to a man who knows what it's like to be underachieving and uh, the the results not matching the sum of your parts uh, because that's what was happening before the trade deadline in 2015. Let's talk to John Gibbons, former Blue Jays manager. He joins us next. It is Baseball Central. Ben Ennis, Shai Davidi, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Baseball Central Sportsnet 590, the fan. It's Ben Ennis. It's Shai Davidi joining me on a Blue Jays off day as they return home. Homestand number two for the first time in almost two years as uh, they start a weekend series against the Detroit Tigers after losing two straight to the lowly Washington Nationals with uh, wins number four and five since the trade deadline coming against the Toronto Blue Jays. That's not good. Uh, The Orioles continue to lose, though. They've lost 14 in a row. The Blue Jays still have 10 more against them. Got to take care of business this weekend, though, first. Let's talk to 
Former Blue Jays manager John Gibbons. Gibby, how's it going? Good. Is this bad? It is. Man, What's... man, how are you, brother? Been a long time. It, it has. I was in your neck of the woods recently. I, was, I just got back from Texas. It was very warm. People, uh, people don't normally suggest going to, well, one, Texas in the middle of a pandemic, but two, August, and going to Texas. Yeah, what were you doing down there? Yeah, my wife's family's from there. So it was nice. We, we saw uh, her, her grandmother. So that was great. But yeah, it's good to good to hear your yeah, voice. Yeah, I, I, I knew you, I knew you were a smart man, right there. Married a Texan, yeah, boy. <laughs> I can't get enough, man. All right, uh, so I mean, yeah, I don't know how smart she is, but yeah. you know, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> it's a good point. Um, so listen, you have experience dealing with teams that didn't quite live up to the expectations. What you saw from a night in night out basis, uh, the the first half of 2015 before all the trades that resulted in the playoff appearance, that was a, a very disappointing ball club. Not unlike this Blue Jays team, which has this incredible run differential, but still finds itself 10 games out of first place. What do you do at that point? How, how do you deal with that as a manager, and, and what is the message that you convey to your players? Well, you know what? Uh, you know, in our case in, in 15, I mean, it was it was pretty glaring, pretty obvious. You know, it really didn't need to say anything to them, and you know, I knew it. The front office knew it. You know, we were bad defensively. You know, we I think we had the best offensive team in the league. But, you know, uh, defensively, we weren't making the plays we were supposed to. And not not, be, not because we were, make, were making a lot of errors. We couldn't get the balls. You know, Jose Reyes, God bless him, you know, was uh, he, he couldn't move anymore. Some balls were trickling through that infield. You know, we I remember I were playing Colabello and Valencia a little bit out in left field. And, you know, they were first basemen or DHs. Uh, some balls are dropping in left to right, and it, so it just goes to show you, you know, you can out you can out slug the team so much, but you can't continue to give up extra outs or extra hits because that's what it takes its toll on your pitching staff, you know. And, and uh, sooner sooner later sooner later they break, you know. So, but so it would, to answer your question, no, I didn't need to say anything to him. I mean, if, if you know, if you couldn't tell what was going on or the reality of it, you know, you probably weren't paying attention, you know. Yeah, absolutely, Gibby. When you, you've got a bullpen, good to hear your voice, buddy. Um, when you've got a bullpen that, you know, you're not sure what the guys you're going to are going to give you every day, how, how helpless a feeling is that as a manager? Oh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's helpless. You know, I got, I got to admit, though, you know, I had some pretty good bullpen, so I didn't experience that necessarily a lot, you know. I mean, there was many a night that they, uh, you know, they were gassed, and so you were trying to stay away from certain guys, but. It is. A, it's a. It's a. You know, I kind of viewed it though when no, no situation rose. Okay, if, if uh, our bullpen stinks, you know, I better lean on those starters a little bit more. You know, if the starters aren't very good either, you know, it doesn't matter anyway. You're not going to be in a race anyway. You know, you're going to be like the team you were talking about. Baltimore's lost what ten straight or something. That's that's what happens. So it kind of you just kind of evaluate and say, you know what, you know, not every you can't do that with every starter because you know they're, they're not all that kind of, that, that that quality, but. On any given night, you know, you got your top two or three guys going. Maybe stretch them out a little bit further, you know, because they they may when they get towards the end, they may be getting a little fatigued, but yet they may be better than what you can bring in. That's right. And when you've got, you know, uh, one of your late game guys who's you know in, in a bit of a rut, how do you? What kind of things do you do to try to get him back on track? Do you do you try to, you know, pull him out of those leverage spots and, uh, you know give somebody else a chance late in game, or do you just keep running him out there in the situation that the guy's accustomed to 
uh, because you want to show faith in them and give them a chance to work through struggles, even if it costs you a game or two here or there. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, that, that's that's a tough question. But you know, but it kind of comes down to you know who who are you going to who are you going to replace them with? You know, if if the uh, yeah, there's there's no doubt for those those late inning guys. You know, they you look at all big league bullpens now; they all got good arms, right? So now 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 mentality of that individual, the psych, you know, the psyche of that guy. That's what separates. You know, most you know a lot of them do have trick pitches. Let's say, call it, but. You know, a lot of their mentality is what makes them really good and are able to close out and get those final three outs. You know, uh, you know, I had some good with B.J. Ryan, some guys in, in uh, Asuna who, who, who was young. Yeah, they struggled at times, but but not too often. Um, but there was also guys, you know, Spires, some of those guys that could, you know, they could come in and, and fill in, fill in for them. So I, I think you just got to you got to check their pulse, man, and just find out they're all right and make sure they're not hurt and, and maybe give them, give them a little breather, but. Unless you got a, a better, a better solution, let's say, you know that, that's you got to remember. You know, every big league team is put together a certain way. You know, and very few teams can adjust off of that much. You know, you might, you know, you might acquire a player here or there. You know, at the trade deadline or whenever, but you can't overhaul everything because you know there's limitations what you can do. So you go into the season. This is this is our bullpen. You know, we'll, if we need to call somebody up, we got these guys reinforcements in the minors. But you're not going to necessarily always go out and get you know some somebody's top guy because those guys are too valuable and they cost too much. So this is kind of what you got. And you, you know, sometimes you, you maybe you juggle it, flip flip some coins. But what makes it tough and you, and you can't continue if you keep sending the same guy out there over and over and he get, keeps getting he keeps coughing it up. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it, it's, it's 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 you know you, you got to say sooner or later. You know what? Hey, uh, yeah, I'm worried about your psyche. We want you to bounce back, but you know, I got I got 25 other guys on this team I got to worry about too. You know, talking to John Gibbons. And how many how many million how many million fans up there? (laughs) Lots. Um, I wonder if 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 the balancing act of how that player was acquired ever enters your mind as well, because Brad Hand was a trade deadline acquisition. I wonder if, as a manager, you're thinking about the front office's intentions and the idea of of this guy being acquired for higher leverage moments to remove him from those higher leverage moments, what that might mean to the front office. Did that ever enter your mind? Of course, the guys that you acquired were good, like Mark Lowe, Joaquin Benoit, they were good. Right. Yeah. yeah we, had some, we had some guys that, you know, they were, you know, every, you know, they might've been scuffling at the time or they were on their downhill slide, but they got re- rejuvenated in our place. You know, uh, uh, you look at Grilly, you know, yeah, a lot of guys stepped up for us. Um, no, I think I think when a front office acquires a guy, you know, they, they you know, their intention is this guy should be able to help us, and, and uh, you know, they they normally you know they'll go to the manager and the coaches and talk about you know the potential deal and whether you know what your opinion of it is, and, and at least that's the way it used to be. And so, and if it comes a time, you know, they, you, you I don't care how you acquire a guy, you know, I, I, I don't care. It's you, you know, you got to cut the personal side of it. Hey, you know, this is about the team winning games. If this guy's not doing the job. You know, you know, uh, yeah, we got we got to make a change somehow. Maybe maybe he can uh, re- regroup somehow. But there, you know, nobody, nobody, a manager is no way going to make that change on his own without, you know, talking to the front office about it, things like that. And you know, obviously they got, you know, they have to sign off on it, you know, or or he won't be around long, you know. When a, when a guy is struggling, Gibby, and he's trying to maybe find some things and get back into the zone, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of work with, you know, the pitching coach and the bullpen coach and things of that nature. But, you know, how much of that work happens, 
you know, between games and, you know, in side sessions and, you know, playing catch and things of that nature, you know, and, and how often is it that, you know, you, that, that player just really needs time on the mound to, to figure things out and maybe in a situation where, you know, if it goes sideways, it's not going to damage the team too badly. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, Shadi, uh, you know, it's so hard for a bullpen guy to, you know, to work on the side, you know, because they go out early and they, they throw bitches whether, you know, you can't use them that, that night or, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an excessive toll that you could, you know, these guys take, take a beating as it is anyway, you know, all the, all the pitches they throw, the amount of time, you know, when the team's good or independent race, they could get used a lot. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's tough to try to figure things out. But I will say this, you know, if my recollection is correct, if you get one of your late inning guys, you know, one of your go-to relievers that gets to that point where he really he needs to go out and work early, things like that, the, I, too too much, he's probably past that point of no return, or he's really scuffling, you know. Uh, in my my opinion, I've seen guys guys do it, but usually you're probably your lesser guys, and you know, I put put that. I'm, I'm talking about their role, you know, and uh, where you can, they can afford to. But that's the difference in the, those tough nut, successful closes that, that do it for a long time. And you got to remember too, you know, I, I've, uh, you know, uh, and I know you mentioned Hand's name. You know, he, uh, I mean, he's been around a while now. I mean, he's throwing a lot of innings. You know, maybe his stuff's not the same. Who knows? I mean, he's, eventually it catches up with you. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. And sometimes you need to reinvent yourself, and, and you know, sometimes you. You reach back to try to find something that's not there anymore, you know, and it affects your location, affects everything, and the ball starts spinning up there. And, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough place to be, that's for sure. Uh, being in Texas for a week, catching up to me, I have 15 pounds to lose, John, because I, 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 I could not stop eating. Food's so good. I, hey, I, man, you put, you put on that amount of weight in that heat? <laughs> yeah, you're right. I did sweat. Listen, it would have been 30 if not for the heat. Only 15, not bad. <laughs> Hey, wait, wait, hey, real quick, man. What, what, uh, what city were you in? What, where's she from? Well, she's she's from Houston originally. She's got a lot of family in Austin, so we spent time in in both places. Mostly Austin, though, on uh, Lake Travis, drinking drinking some beers in Lake Travis. Uh, yeah. You know who lives on? Well, you, know, you got Travis, LBJ. You got three lakes. And uh, Tulawitsky lives on Lake Austin, right there. Yeah, you didn't say hi. Not a Did, big old fan. <laughs> didn't run into him. You yeah. can't imagine why the Troy Tulawitsky <laughs> didn't want to say hi to you, Ben. Yeah, very bizarre. <laughs> Uh, John, this is great. Thanks, man. Yeah, boys, man. I miss you guys up there, man. Keep up the good work. All right. You Stay too, well, man. Gibby. Yeah. There's John Givens. Say hello to everybody. Okay. All right. There's John Givens. Uh, a breath of fresh air. Uh, former Blue Jays manager. Um, how do you think Charlie Montoyo's handled this? <laughs> I think there's been a lot of criticism that's been totally unwarranted because what are you supposed to do when you have one reliable reliever? There's been inst- his decision making has not been perfect in my estimation. What where do you think the responsibility lies on him with how how poorly the bullpen's performed? Okay, let me, let's start here. Who do you think's the best manager today or best managers? Kevin Cash, Dusty Baker, Dave Roberts. I'm just throwing a few <laughs> names so, out there. So funny. Dusty Baker, Kevin Ka- Like, you couldn't think of two more diversion Opposite. managers. That's okay. You know, Bob Melvin. You know, whoever, whoever is your pick yeah. as top manager. Are they doing any better with this bullpen? <laughs> I don't know. Are they? I mean, like, if you say, I don't know, come on. Nobody's doing better with this bullpen, right? I don't know what on earth another manager could do 
with the same combination of arms. Like if you're if you're throwing Anthony Castro and Joel yeah. Piamps into leverage, yep. and and saying this is what I got, this is the best I've got in a given spot, then you know, I mean, who who should be surprised at some of these outcomes, right? And and I think for the people who you know, if you're if there are other concerns, if you if you felt that the team isn't playing hard or that effort wasn't there, that focus or that guys are distracted or, you know, any of those things, that's what you need to pin on the manager. Yeah. But he's using the pieces that have been given to him by the front office. And you want your you want Charlie de Montoya to manage better. Give him better relievers. OK, so let's talk about that then before we take the break briefly. We mentioned it a little bit off air, but not on air. I was pleasantly surprised that the Blue Jays did the thing that I didn't think was possible. Like I mentioned, went out and jumped the the reliever market. Not for closers, right? Like we're not talking about the highest leverage relievers, but Simber was, at the moment, a a great addition and still is Adam Simber-ish. He's had some bumps in the road. He's Adam Simber. He throws out 82. Like what what do you want from Adam Simber? Trevor Richards, same guy or same type of acquisition, Somebody who didn't fit into the long-term plans of this organization, I think they felt that whatever Rowdy Telez was ever going to become, it wasn't going to be here. There was no pathway to at-bats for him here. Seemingly not. That they went out and, and got two guys that you thought would impact the bullpen in a positive way, and they've had their moments, both positive and negative. Before the season, Tyler Chatwood, there was perhaps reason to believe that he could be a valuable contributor, and was early in the season for like double-digit appearances before, eh, the wheels, oh, they came clean off. Mm-hmm. And the San Francisco Giants, they, they, they haven't been able to put them back on yet. Well, did, they, they tried yesterday, and it uh, went right back into form. Kirby Yates, we don't have to relitigate that. But what? it's not like they didn't – it's not like they sat back and, and allowed this thing to crater the way it has. But what do you think of what they did? Look, I liked the high-risk, high-reward moves. Like, you know, like they were at a point where you should make bets – like Kirby Yates and like Tyler Chatwood. I think, you know, the the one assumption was that, you know, David Phelps would be yeah. more of your protective insurance, right? And then that blew up a month into the season. And I think they maybe they needed another David Phelps type, but someone with a maybe a bit more of a durable track record. Uh, you know, I think you needed one, another piece of stability there that, you know, that, you could push some of your other guys a step down the depth chart. And, you know, I, I understand they med, made some minor league deal bets in terms of AJ Cole and yeah. CJ Edwards and Francisco Liriano, yeah. uh, you know, that none of them panned out. But, you know, I, I think if I, my guess is that as they're going to look, it, you know, into the addressing the bullpen next off season, we'll see, a little bit more stability and fewer of these high risk, high upside. I think you might see one, maybe you see two, right. but I think you'll see more steadier, sure bets where the ceiling isn't quite as high, but the likelihood of getting, you know, the the regular or the average type of performance from that reliever is going to be higher. Yeah. Uh, which is tough to do for a middle reliever to, to, to count on somebody year in, year out. It's a pretty volatile position is, <laughs> You know, we saw with Rafael Dolis, who was pretty good reliever for the Blue Jays a season ago, and uh, you know, I mean, the other thing too is that you know, we there are a lot of judgments about players last season that were made within sixty games, yeah. right? And 
that's random. Small sample, and you're definitely subject to far more randomness within a 60-game portion. Well, and that's the nature of relieving. Like a full season of relieving is a small sample size, which is... But again, gonna... but again, and you're, you're talking about like 15, 20 outings for relievers last year, and, yeah. and you're making, you know, it's uh, 162 is a far, far different beast. Oh, yeah. That's why, and it's not even, it's not close to over. I mean, it's closer to over, but it's, it's not over. You got 10 games against the Orioles. You got three against the Detroit Tigers starting. That's going to be like your mantra. It's like, you know, you'd be print, you're going to get a t shirt that says 10 games against the Orioles. I, well, the 12 games against the Nationals and Orioles didn't go so well. So I, I got to stick to the, the perhaps 10 and 2 against the Nationals <laughs> and Orioles. Um, yeah, the Orioles are even worse than the, than the Nationals. But yes, it's baseball. Anyone can win on any given night, as evidenced by the last two days. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we have in this studio on right now a very interesting regular season game between two teams that aren't going to make the playoffs because Miguel Cabrera is sitting on 499 career home runs and Shohei Otani is perhaps completing the greatest season in the history of Major League Baseball. Maybe we'll talk about both guys coming up next. It's uh, Baseball Central, Ben Ennis, Shai Davidi, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Central Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, and uh, Shai Davidi, last couple of minutes here on a Blue Jays off day. As we mentioned before we went to uh, break, watching the Tigers and Angels. Again, like Miguel Cabrera right now at the plate could be the next hitter to reach the 500 club. And we'll, we'll wait the appropriate amount of time after he does it to react so that we're not violating Major League Baseball play-by-play rules by giving you the play-by-play of the at-bat. But he is up right now. Uh, Shohei Otani also obviously in this game. He hit homer number 40 yesterday. And by the way, actually, last thing on Cabrera, because we had this Votto conversation the other day, and he's a little bit older. He's 38, and Votto's 37. But this is kind of how I thought the Votto career was headed, right? Miggy is now not a productive Major League player. And he doesn't play defense. And he's got an OPS under seven. And he didn't hit homer number 500. I was waiting for that, waiting for you to sl- I was going to slip that in there. Yeah. See, like, is, does he have to make the turn towards the dugout to, <laughs> no, for, to, I don't to, know. to be all right? Yeah. So, I mean, this is, I, I went to go see Miguel Cabrera purposefully. And it's easy to do because uh, Comerica Park is uh, only a couple hour drive from where I live in Oakville. But because I wanted to see one of the greatest right-handed hitters of all time in person, in the flesh. And he was that for a prolonged period of time. Triple crown, all that. First ballot, Hall of Famer. But this is normal. This is what I thought Joey Votto was turning into. Miguel Cabrera. And it was worth the money because you got him, I guess. And he's overpaid now. But no, that Joey Votto is being back to, like, peak Joey Votto is shocking. Because this is the normal thing. It's the Albert Pujols. It's the Miguel Cabrera. That's what happens to you in your late 30s. Right. Because, I mean, if you want to compare it. So Votto's 35 right now, right? And uh, Cabrera was injured in 2018. Only played 38 games. Mm-hmm. But the year before in his age 34 season, it was a 728 OPS. And the year before that, 2016, that's his last all-star campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a 956 OPS. And, the, yeah, the decline has, has been pretty steady and consistent since. Mm-hmm. But we're also talking about different types of players, yeah. right? Like, you know, you know. Joey Votto is just a unique hitting savant, right? Like there, there's very few guys who are like him. And you know, Cabrera is obviously you know, one of the game's tremendous hitters too. But I don't think that he could 
adapt his game and change everything he does the way that Joey Votto, like Joey Votto is almost like, you know, an engineer, a swing engineer. Yeah. And he can sort of examine and assess the problems and say, this is what I need to do to do these things and then teach himself how to do those things. So, you know, Votto, Votto is the type who could, even at 35, could reinvent himself mm-hmm. in a way that I think almost nobody or, you know, just a tiny, tiny, tiny handful of players could. Yeah, and there, like I said, Miguel Cabrera is a no-doubter. He has two MVPs. He has the triple crown, and he's about to have 500 homers. which 48 is 48 hits away from 3,000. Yeah, that's insane. That's like one of the greatest, see, or greatest careers in the history of the game. Speaking of which, we've only got a couple of minutes here, and I tweeted it out. Thought it would be provocative. It's not. It's not as provocative as I thought that Shohei Otani might be having the greatest season in the history of the game. I, I I really do believe that. I think Barry Bonds in the early 2000s has a case. We were going through the Babe Ruth case a little bit. There's a couple of years where he was still a pitcher and still and and starting to be more of a hitter. But yeah, it's it's so hard to compare the game between a hundred years. I mean, just what from a physical perspective. And the demand, I mean, to, to be, Babe Ruth wasn't throwing 100. No. Right? And, and Joey Otani is doing it consistently. Like from a physical perspective and against the level of talent that he's facing both offensively and as, as a hitter. I mean, like, you know, we, we've talked forever about how much strikeouts are going up, how much velocity is going up, and he's still destroying that pitching. You know, th- this is... It's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it through that that sort of frame of, of reference, and you know, it's super hard to make comparisons. They say this is definitively the best season, but it is in a very small t- category of seasons, and and perhaps because of the fact it's happening in two ways, makes it all the more incredible. Oh, it absolutely does. And it, I mean, the other thing is the perhaps fleeting nature of it, because this is a guy that has not been the bastion of health, obviously. Yeah. Tommy like, John surgery. Can he do this four or five years in a row? Even do this two years in a row? I mean, I never thought he'd be able to do it one year in a row. So the fact that even if his season ended today, he's done it. He did it. He did the damn thing. To be able to follow it up next year, I mean, it's unbelievable what we're watching. There's really not enough you can say about it. It's ridiculous. Ab- absolutely not. Uh, Shy, good stuff, buddy. See you tomorrow. Always. See you tomorrow. All right. That has been Baseball Central. When we come back, it is writer's block. Ben Ennis, Shy Davidi, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.